Welcome back to A Twist of Faith. This is your host, Alex Parkview. This week we're going to pick up on our Dante coverage. Canto 5 covers the second circle of the Inferno. Now, if you are following me on my socials, you're aware that one of the things I take issue with with Dante, and it's not a major gripe, it's just he doesn't really name any of the circles. Like, the first one was Limbo. That was the name of the circle, and then he tells us who stayed there, who was made to spend eternity there. Limbo was for virtuous pagans, unbaptized babies. Cool, you have a name and you have a clientele or a group of people living there. Well, the second circle, all it says is Circle 2, the carnal. I mean, yeah, we know carnal means like sex, lust, etc., but I feel like it should have a name, and then those who were carnal should be there. So I'm throwing some ideas around in my head. Feel free to hit me up if you have any suggestions that might work better. Maybe I'll get a shout-out in the next episode. But I was thinking Circle 2, the Lusty Lounge, the Circle of Sexy Time. I mean, just spitballing a few there. But it's going to be Circle 2, the Carnal. So we're going to say Circle 2, the Circle of Sexy Time, where those who uh, sinned of the flesh and carnality, the lustful people, were sent to endure their everlasting punishment, according to Dante, I think is what we're going to call it. And again, the imagery that Dante uses is way better in person, so make sure you just pick up a copy, read it, look it up online, read it. There's probably ebooks. My point is just to break down everything that he discusses as far as religious implications. So that's what I'm going to try to do. Don't be surprised if I rant a little bit, because I'm good at that. So we're going to get started with that here in a second on... Circle 2, the circle of sexy time and doing time, right after this. Alright, when we last left our heroes, Virgil and Dante, they had just finished checking out the Citadel in Circle 1 Limbo, and they just kind of step off, step down to Circle 2. Because remember, the whole layout is like these ledges going down a funnel, so it's not hard to get from one ledge down to the next. So they're ch done checking out Limbo, they got to get on with it. They're going on past Limbo into the second circle. Again, I'm calling it the circle of do the sexy time, pay the sexy crime, maybe. Work in progress. But it's the circle of the carnal, the lustful, the whores, the sluts, the fucking gigolos, whatever. Anything having to do with like sex, fucking, you get the idea. That's what Circle 2 is for. It's for those people that just gave up whatever to bone and have sex and just get it on for the entirety of their lives. <clears throat> so upon entry to the second circle, Dante sees Minos. Minos is the judge of the damned, whose task is to assign the souls to their proper eternal torment. So like right before you get into Circle 2, you're going to see this big kind of like bull-looking dude, right? Minos is described as a monstrous demon, and they say that he wraps his long tail around each sinner as they pass through. So, like, Minos has a never-ending job, because the souls are just dropping down into hell. They meet up with Minos, and he's wrapping his tail around them. And however many times he can wrap his tail around one complete coil of a person, like, say, three times, that person is then delegated to Circle 3. Two times, circle two, etc. You get the idea. The number of times his tail fits around a person. Which his tail has to be kind of magical if you think about it. Because we haven't even touched on obesity yet, but that's a lower circle. So to get his tail wrapped around the super, super fatties, he's got to have like an elastic tail or some shit to get them down to the proper circle. Just saying. 
But uh, it said that the number of coils corresponds to the circle of hell. Like I said, two for two, etc. So after he uh, determines the number of coils, he, they, he literally like flings that soul with his tail. It's not like a gentle, oh, you're heading down this way, right this way, my good sir. Like if you're in circle five, his tail has five coils, he then like lifts you up with his tail and whips you into circle five. That's your transition, welcome to hell, hey, how you doing? Like, I kind of love that about Dante, that he just gets that, I don't know, vivid with his description of how things are done. I mean, obviously not word for word, because again, copyright, plagiarism, etc. But yeah, you know, all know this is coming straight from Dante as far as information. Certain descriptions, like I actually looked up this description of Minos, not straight from Dante. I looked it up <clears throat> with some Googleage. But yeah, the fact that he goes that detailed as far as the coils and such, that part is mentioned in Dante. Not directly in the poetry, but depending on which edition of the Inferno you may have. So, again, just like the Caron, the guide of the Undertaker, the ferryman of the underworld there, just like Caron, Minos, again, takes issue with the fact, because Dante, again, is living when this goes down. He's not one of these dead damned souls. So Minos takes issue with and warns off Dante, a living mortal soul about descending further into the Inferno. He's like, hey, what the fuck are you doing here? You're alive. You can't just blah, blah, blah. You have to fucking go back the way you came. Fuck you. You don't get to tour hell at your leisure. And Virgil, being Virgil, imbued with these powers from Beatrice and all the heavenly whatevers, remember that from the other episodes, <clears throat> Virgil intervenes, as he did with Caron, silences Minos somehow with this magical Virgilism that he has about him. I would really love to know what he did. Like, did he just, like, bitch slap him? Did he say, hey, fuck you? Did he command the powers of heaven in hell? Like, it's not super clear. Just says Virgil intervenes, as he did with Caron, and the two proceed unchecked. So, I mean, they've gotten by this ghastly guardian and uh, judge of souls and to carry on their journey. <clears throat> now, upon entry proper into the circle of the carnal, the lusty lounge, the circle of sexy time and doing the doing time, like whatever you want to call it. Like I said, I'm open to suggestions on that. I just I have to have a name for it because I really hate that Dante didn't name them. But upon entrance into the second circle proper, they find themselves on a dark ledge swept across by a great whirlwind within which the souls of the carnal spin. So pictured like they just get past Menos and there's this like massive whirlwind tempest kind of thing going on just continually spinning like we're talking the kind of wind that set up the shit in the Wizard of Oz like massive fucking tornado or higher level winds fucking hurricane level let's just throw out whatever fucking wind strength you can imagine being strongest, probably stronger than that because this is hell. So it's again, not controlled by mortal principles. So just this raging whirlwind sweeping across. As soon as they get past Minos, that's what they see is this raging whirlwind with all these souls just being whipped around. And now the reason for that being the punishment, like that's their entirety of their punishment is for them to be swept around for all eternity in a whirlwind. I mean, eventually you'd probably get seasick, even though you're in the air, you'd probably get like motion sickness, right? But that's the entirety of their punishment is they're just forever being whipped around in soul form in this fucking raging whirlwind, tempest, hurricane, whatever you want to call it, tornado thing. 
But remember, the carnal are those whose sin was to abandon themselves to the tempest of their passions, to the, uh, the tempest of the flesh. So they're swept forever in the tempest of hell. And again, big recurring theme in Dante, they are eternally separated from and denied the light of God's love and reason. Backtrack to limbo real quick. That was the entirety of the quote-unquote punishment for limbo, that you're eternally separated from and denied the light of God's love and reason. In limbo, they had the cathedral, its own source of light in hell, but they still did not have God's light. So that is like the recurring theme, regardless, as you're going through hell in the circles. Once you're dead, if you're in the inferno, you are no longer open to the reception of, you're no longer blessed with, pardon the expression, you, you're no longer entitled to the light of God's love and reason. And Virgil starts pointing out many of the carnal to Dante, how he could see them in this whirlwind. Honestly, it's a little fucking mind-boggling. Maybe they take on a more cor corporeal form out of the ether as people are, like, approaching now. I don't know, but, like, I'm picturing this fucking thing whirling, so maybe he's just like, oh, wait, shit, was that, like, you know, when you're trying to spot something? I don't... He's just kind of like, okay, Dante, this is... Mm, no, wait, maybe it was my maybe it was my cousin Pete. Like, I really want to know how he could spot the people. That is not told to us. It just says Virgil recognizes and points out many of them, like Dido, Cleopatra, Helen of Troy is, of course, down there... <clears throat> because she used her sexiness to fucking make men do wars. Like, that's just evil, right? Achilles, Paris, Tristan. Dante then calls out to two that he sees and recognizes. Again, with this tempest whirlwind whipping these souls around, how do they know who these people are, are without, like, jumping into it themselves? Fucking mind-blowing. But Dante calls out to pa uh, Paolo and Francesca and begs for their story in the name of love. Like, here in hell... It's like, stop in the name of love because I'm Dante and I want to hear your story. Like, you know, it's just, he gives himself these magical heaven powers in hell. I don't know that that's a thing, but it's in the story, so we're going to roll with it. <clears throat> so he calls out to Paolo and Francesca and begs their story in the name of love. So then they come out of the whirlwind somehow, magically, why they don't just do this on their own to get a break from the eternal motion sicknesses beyond me. But they come down out of the whirlwind. Francesca starts telling Dante of their history, while Paolo can do nothing but weep at the memory. Like, he really wanted to hear what led them to be there. And without, like, going into too much of the actual uh, bookwork of the Inferno, the Divine Comedy... I'll just say they are, like, legitimate. You can look them up. I did. I de debated throwing it in here, but I'm going to give you, like, a simplified form. <clears throat> uh, they were basically lovers, even though they weren't married. They were having a recurring liaison. There's a lot more detail to this, but just to give you the backstory, they truly loved one another, and they were just railing the shit out of each other on the regular... And then they got caught in bed by none other than, I want to say, Francesca's husband that she was promised to. Because, you know, this was a time of arranged marriages, all that kind of shit. So these two are going at it while they're not married to each other. Big sin in the church. Can't fuck outside of marriage. A lot of us are going to end up in circle, too, because of that. I'll tell you that right now. 
Like, if this is legit, if Dante is the way, then holy fuck, I'm going to be in a whirlwind for a while, guys. Better leave my messages with my fucking family. <clears throat> but they're fucking each other on the regular because they're so enamored, so in love. They just, they want to be so close to each other that, you know, carnal knowledge that mm, I want to be inside you right now. God, you're hot. Let's do this. And they get fucking killed mid-fuck by her husband. Of all the ways to go, like, you got to sit there and ask yourself, holy shit, maybe you should have rubbed one out, gotten a little post-nut clarity. Did they even get to nut before they got killed? We'll never know. Maybe that's part of the sad, sad story that Dante gets to hear is how we were on the brink of orgasm, Dante, when we were struck down to death. And when we awoke again, we were here. Like, there's nothing that tells us. But it's a truly, like, more detailed, obviously, and great story about the actual thing if you're into, like, the historical things and how they tie in, which, like I said, very cool. I just, I don't want to take away all the mystery magic of the Inferno myself when I'm helping you figure shit out. So I kind of said, yeah, I'll touch on it, but not give it all to you. But, yeah, there's so many questions. Like I said, did, maybe if they'd rubbed one out, I don't even know if, like, masturbation was socially acceptable at that time. Did they get a chance to nut before they were struck dead? Like, were they laying in each other's arms after they fucked and he just came in and killed them because he caught them together? Like, that doesn't tell us. So many unanswered questions. So many unhad potential orgasms on their part. And of course, we all know Dante at this point. What is Dante's favorite thing to do? When he hears something or sees something that he doesn't know how to process, this motherfucker swoons. Hi, I'm Dante. Nice to swoon ya. He swoons, he faints, because he's Dante. And I get he's like this big whatever, but he's too easily overwhelmed. Because it even says, like, the big thing here, Dante is overwhelmed with compassion and pity for their story. Like, I get it, you feel bad for him, because they loved each other, but they couldn't be together because marriages were by, like, assignment, by convenience, by whatever. They weren't always to the person you loved. I get that. So, I mean, I feel a little compassion and pity for him, but I'm still sitting here. I, I haven't passed out thinking about it. Dante just needs to nut up a little bit. Again, though, I think in the story he may have just used it as a transitive kind of thing to explain why he doesn't know what happens in between the end of Canto Five and the beginning of Canto Six. <clears throat> because if it's a transitory device to get from A to B to where he doesn't have to explain stuff that does make his life easier, I think it's bit of a sellout if that's what he did, especially if he believes that he really went to hell because what happened that was so frightful that he just couldn't fucking tell the rest of us about it. <clears throat> so Dante, overwhelmed with compassion and pity, faints again, swoons again as a result of his emotion and his feeling for them, his empathy, his sympathy, whatever you want to call it. So, again, like, this is not a super detailed circle of hell. The meat of this honestly falls into the Paolo and Francesca thing. Like I said, if you've never read it, you should at least look up a history of them. P-A-O-L-O -O and Francesca, the Italian spelling, F-R-A-N-C-E-S-C-A. -E like, it's a story worth reading. If you want to make sure you're getting the right uh, characterization, just type in, like, a la the Inferno or something into Google and you're searching for it, or if you buy the book, reading it, you'll know when you get to Circle 2. But this is kind of like Limbo. I mean, yes, there is torment and punishment here, but now you have the 
the being cut off, the absence of the of, of the light of God. You have that, plus you have this raging tempest, hurricane, tornado thing, whipping these souls around, which apparently to stop it or get souls out of it, you just have to walk up to it temptation style and tell it to stop in the name of love before you swoon again. So, again, this one's pretty tame in comparison to some of the circles. But uh, I'm going to take a quick look at one thing, and then I'll come back at you with some tie-in Dante thoughts. If you're expecting a super long episode this week, apologies. There's not much meat to cover in this canto. So, we'll be right back with you. All right, now it's time for me to freestyle a little bit, give you my takeaways, my thoughts, my tie-ins, whatever you want to call it, from this canto, this circle of the Inferno. <clears throat> and honestly, I mean, this one's I'm almost going to kind of have to go the way I went with Limbo when I was just mocking the whole unbaptized baby belief. It's like, don't fuck outside of marriage. Don't be the bad Catholic. Again, these are Catholic beliefs in Dante. So if you don't want to go to Circle 2 of the Inferno, which is where the lustful and the adulterers, etc., the people who gave in to the Tempest of Their Passions go, just don't fuck people you shouldn't be fucking. Uh, make sure if you are fucking somebody, you're first married to them. If you're gonna cheat, maybe lock the door so you don't get killed in the middle of it, like Francesca and Paolo did. Like, just simple little, I don't know, like, I, I kind of want to touch more on recurring themes this week. Like, Dante has this big recurring theme of being completely cut off and separate from the light of God's love. He touched on that in Limbo, like I mentioned earlier in this episode. The Citadel in Limbo was its own source of light, but still nowhere near the light of the Lord. So Dante's really big on like making that fact known. So it leads you to believe that, to him at least, being cut off and separate from the, quote, love and light of the Lord is more egregious almost than some of the sins. Um, if I had to give you some like takeaways as far as if you ever find yourself in Circle 2, maybe bring a parachute because you're going to be spinning. Uh, memorize the words to stop in the name of the love because apparently that can slow down the whirlwind so you can jump out, catch a breather. I mean, I don't know. Like, What, what, did, what does Dante expect us to take away here? I mean, like, I've touched on, you know, not straying from your path. Clearly, an overall recurring theme in Dante, overall recurring, is one of my own things that I'm known to say. Actions have consequences. What you do in life directly correlates to what happens to you in the afterlife. If you live the life of the way you're supposed to, you don't even see the Inferno. You instead go to the Paradiso, maybe the Purgatorio, if you have some last-minute, like, buffer soul work to do, but actions having consequences, think about it. I mean, other than the unbaptized babies, they're the ones that really get the shaft and all this, because they don't, whatever. They're babies when they died, so they haven't, whatever. But the philosophers, their actions were good, but outside of the church. Consequence, they get to continue to be good in hell, outside of the church, away from God's love. 
Actions have consequences, part and duh, when you're in the fucking hotel horriness of Babylonian burlesque in Circle 2. The actions of your life, you cheating on your partner, fucking 500 hot bitches, like sleeping with men and thieving from them after they bust a nut and fall asleep, whatever the weird shit you can come up with, because these are just little examples of mine. I'm sure some of you have some way crazier imaginations than mine. But your actions of the flesh, of the sex, of the lustful, of the carnal, of whatever, have the consequence of you meeting Minos and being cast into the whirlwind, the tempest of hell, because you gave into the tempest of your, like, carnal emotions. Not your good, air quotes are good, but not your good emotions, but your naughty, naughty, carnal ones that the church frowns upon. Because if the church can't control your fucking, then they can't control the population. If they can't control the population, then they can't control church membership. It just goes on and on. Again, I'm throwing a little bit of me into there. But again, actions definitely have consequences. In my own life, I have taught that lesson to at least one person, maybe two. You have to own your shit. And I guess the afterlife, according to Dante, makes sure that you do, because when you meet Minos, somehow his tail knows what kind of a bad little fucking sinner you are, and it wraps around you and throws you where the fuck you're supposed to be. I mean, so from Dante so far, this is what we've deemed. We have found out that you have to stay on your path once you find your path. You don't want to give in to sin. And I'm using that in a kind of ironic, sarcastic-ism. You don't want to give in to your sin. But the reason you don't want to is because actions have consequences. Being cut off from the light of God, per Dante, is the worst and most recurring thing, regardless of which circle you end up in. So, again, takeaways from Dante-isms for the week is just stay on the right path, the true path, however he phrases it. I'm going to say stay on your path, the path that you have found. Stay on it, own it, and be prepared because actions do have consequences. So regardless of the Dante-isms, whatever you believe in as far as an afterlife, you are going to have to answer to that. Like, if that makes sense. I'm not saying hell, like, whatever your religious, spiritual belief is, your actions in life are going to have the proper, fitting, whatever, consequences in your afterlife. So the path that you have chosen in your spirituality, religion, do your best to make sure it's the proper one, do your best not to stray from it, and you just avoid a whole lot of a mess afterwards assuming you believe in the afterlife. Uh, we're going to pick up on Canto 6 next week and into the third circle of the Inferno. Just want to thank y'all for listening. Again, if you have any ideas for names, just because that's a little fun thing I've decided to do, I'm really kind of at a loss. I'm just throwing this shit together off the top of my head. But like I said, the uh, circle of do the sexy time, pay the sexy crime, you know, the fucking nymphomania like just i don't know fucking pick a name and throw it at me maybe i'll feature you in the next episode with a shout out or something gotta have some fun when we're talking about religion because the church doesn't want us to and the church can eat my ass until next time 
This has been A Twist of Faith, and I'm your host, Alex Parkview. I'll talk to you all again.